Alrighty, welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute. This is the daily podcast in which we analyze Dawn of Justice by each individual minute. My name is Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Nathan. You can also find me on social media at NoClutchNate. And I'm Joe Dorowski, and I would just pitch my podcast one more time. It's called Protagonist Podcast, and we talk about a great character and a great story every week. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us this week, Joe. It's been an absolute blast. Uh, thank you. I'm, I'm very happy to be on uh, one more season of the DC Cinematic Universe Minute. And we're glad to have you. It was fun. We, I didn't go back, Mark. Were you questioning the word blast? Yeah, it was. Why? <laughs> I paused and it was blast. And I was, Did it sound um, weird? Is it one of those words that if you say too much? It's one of those weirds that once you say it, one of those weirds that when you say too much words, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> move on. Today, we're talking on Donna Justice Minute. We're talking about minute number 25. And the minute's going to start with Lois Lane sifting through uh, clothes that she had on her travels. And then the minute ends with Clark Kent walking in with a bouquet of flowers. Um, I think he's being very environmental Kent conscious with uh, the paper bag. Yeah, he's the yeah. brown paper yeah. bag going. Yeah, so do uh, I'm just gonna jump right in. Do do they uh, do they live together? I assume. I think so. Do people... Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, hang on, hang on. Do people... So it's only been 14 months. Obviously, 18 Clark... months. 18 months. Sorry, Clark never had an apartment. At the end of Man of Steel, we just saw him riding a bike to work. Did he commute from Smallville all the way there? No, he was obviously he flies like, with probably... the bike, and then he lands in Metropolis <laughs> and rides the bike to work. What is that? Where he pedals really fast. He could be, you know, he could be Superman pedaling. Really pedaling fast. And he just How long would his bike last? Can... <laughs> oh, yeah, no. How frequently were you replacing destroyed. chains yeah. and tires and things? Yeah. So, like, can he, like, sit on the bike and, and, fly? and fly? Yeah, not E.T. Have to be in a, yeah, E.T. not have to be in a horizontal <laughs> position. He manipulates the gravity around him, so obviously he can manipulate the gravity around the bike. Just, he can like straight up Kiki's delivery service that thing. He's not even yeah. pedaling; right he's just there. zipping it along like a, an inch above the ground, super fast. There has to be like a 1940s comic of Superman like on a bike flying in the air. Like there has to be that illustration. Yeah, in the, sil- in the Silver Age, I'm, definitely had to have happened. It has to be. <laughs> I'm, gonna, think, I'm gonna make it my job, and I'm gonna get it tattooed. Start a poll. <laughs> I think it's safe to say he now lives with Lois Lane. Yes. But that would mean that they are together, right? I mean, not necessarily yes. be a platonic relationship, sure. But it's like, does the Daily Planet know that they are a thing? Oh, did they go through human resources? Yeah, did they go through human resources? Also, that begs... Oh, my computer just turned off. That's a bummer. Um, that begs a question of, is if she went to the Daily Planet... No, no, no. The question is, is Lois dating... Superman, or is she dating Clark? She's not dating Superman, but she did kiss him. And you know, who saw that kiss? They Everybody all, saw that they kiss. They saw that kiss. So does the Daily Planet think that she's dating Superman? It was the kiss Superman. heard around the world. Is she dating Superman like how, you know, it's like, I don't, I think Perry says That's, something about, like, I don't want to write a story about how your boyfriend saved a cat, kitten out of the tree or something like that. Doesn't he say? No. Isn't that a line? Is I that a line in this movie? Is that a line in another movie? I... I can't remember. See, I'm confused here. I haven't watched these yeah. often enough to know. <laughs> I I think it's weird that he lives with her, and I think it's a red flag for both of them. And I thought she was dating Superman, not Clark Kent. 
So does she have articles that are about Superman, like how we normally see Lois Lane because she has a relationship with him? I mean, he came to Africa to save her. Yes. That's what he's. Ta- that's what Perry brings up. He says something about. Oh him no! Coming no, to it's Africa. Swanwick who says that. Oh yeah. Okay. Swanwick, okay. Says, Swanwick says it. Your boyfriend saved you in Africa or whatever. So does Daily Planet just like does Perry just like whatever out See, of sight, well, out of mind? I don't care. I already know minute. who he is. Yeah. And does Man the Steel. U.S. military just automatically see is that's biased as hell? Lois Lane is dating Superman, and all these puffs pieces articles are coming out. Oh, geez, now we got to relate it to everything in this movie. Oh, man. In Man of Steel Minute, we argued that the Daily Planet knows. Yeah. Clark I th- Kent. Well, yeah, I think Perry knows always. So, yes, continue. I don't um, know. I, I think I think they're, they're uh, making it a little too obvious. Um, Joe, what are your thoughts on the Clark-Lois relationship? I, I really don't have that many. <laughs> <laughs> for, for how it is presented in this uh in this world um i this is the only I, well like clark i love can. the classic dynamic that clark is in love with lois lois is in love with superman but we just don't get any of that in this film universe and i mean, that's fine they're doing a different thing that's their right to do a different thing but i always love the classic um dynamic but you can never string it on for but so long but they don't string it on for any <laughs> in, in this film universe at all have you seen the ultimate edition i'm sorry i feel like we never asked that question i have not seen the ultimate minutes. edition no i saw the theatrical cut uh in the theater that was the one time i'd seen it and then i tried starting to watch it uh when i knew i was coming back on i was just like i can't this i don't like this movie i feel like i'm wasting my time watching it again uh but if we watch these five fair. minutes that we're talking about so what can, yeah. it, does the Lois and Clark relationship get fleshed out more in the extended edition? The Clark does. Not relationship, but Clark himself. Okay, Clark himself. It's it's done beautifully. Like, you get Clark Kent in the Ultimate oh, Edition. Oh, maybe I you, need to watch at least uh, you don't, scan through yeah. and find those minutes. <laughs> it's a shame what they did to Superman. Like, we were talking about Batman being made into the hero in the in the theatrical one. It's a big shame what they did to Superman yeah. in the theatrical there's version. A, there's a lot... It's not well, fair. Well, not a lot. Just all of Clark Kent as all. a reporter gets cut out. All of Clark Kent. So yeah, there was nothing about, of that at all in what I what Yeah, there's, I yeah. Uh, there's about two two big scenes of Clark Kent the reporter. Which is, it's it. those will have so much to talk about. It'll yeah, be ridiculous. Those are, those are some of the best. I mean, because that really, it's Clark Kent as a reporter, but it it, it brings in what, Superman is trying to do in the film. And it brings in what you're supposed to think of what Batman is supposed to be. Mm. It's not. Yeah. Like they're, they're complete opposites. It's Clark Kent is trying to be like the reporter, not detective. Detective, detective in reporter his own way. in his own way, which is what Batman is known for. And Batman's just not doing that. He's just off being a villain and trying to start a war with yeah. a guy. Um, so we'll leave it at that. But um, well, I look forward to hearing those minutes. So it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they they don't go into the Lois Clark relationship as much. Um, I think this is re- no. We get towards the end of the movie when uh, they're all like stressed and stuff. No, this is just the most normal that we get of the two of them right now in this minute. Next week is is the yeah. cream of the crop of Lois and Clark relationship. Yeah. Well, maybe there's there's another thing. Do people still use that term? Uh, sure. The cream of the crop. What does that even mean? 
Don't ask me. I'm not a farmer. <laughs> no, but Clark is. Maybe we should ask him. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, Lois Lane is um, going through her clothes from the trip. She pulls up a shirt that has the blood of Talon on it, and um, uh, it kind of sh- shakes her up a bit. Is Talon the Jimmy Olsen forward. guy? Yeah. or? Yes. Talon is yes. Jimmy Olsen. Talon is Jimmy Olsen. Okay. Quote, unquote, Jimmy Olsen. Quote, quote, wait, okay, you, you, I, earlier you said that, quote, unquote. So in the theatrical cut, you never hear the name Jimmy Olsen. And in the extended cut, he says I'm Jimmy Olsen. But now you're saying he wasn't Jimmy Olsen? Am I correct? In, yeah. He's a CIA operative. So we we spent a week talking about Jimmy Olsen, <laughs> and, and everything pointed to this was a, a fake name used by a CIA agent yeah. to get into being in this scene with Lois Lane and, and these criminals and everything. Um, and then we brought your brother on last week, who hasn't seen this film at all. Yes, and he, he told me he was going to go on. His, <laughs> yeah, he did his notes, and we didn't even mention it. And he comes in like, this isn't Jimmy Olsen, this is just some guy. And we were like, oh my God, it's like he listened to the minutes, but yeah. he'd never even seen this movie. So we're on this, and like his code name... Um, and the ultimate edition is Talon. That's how CIA referred to the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been on this thing where, like, that was never Jimmy Olsen. The, is there Jimmy Olsen in this universe? Probably not. Or maybe he's not this guy. and He's somewhere else. But this guy... Yeah, it's Jenny Because there was a... There, Lois Lane has a photographer. His name is Huron. Yeah. But he never made it to the Nairobi site. Mm-hmm. So All we right. think this Jimmy Olsen guy is a fake. Remind phone. me... You, you've already done these minutes. Superman goes in and he rescues Lois Lane from that situation, right? Yes. yes. How did he know she was in danger? Is it explained? He can hear her. You can, yeah. Okay, it would be I really mean, useful if Superman yeah. could always hear people that were valuable to him. Just putting that out there. Uh, <laughs> he, I, I, will, I will argue this. In my opinion, Superman always is listening to Lois Lane's heartbeat and Martha Kent's heartbeat. But then why can't he find her the, later in the I, film? He can. What do you when? mean? He, the, does, he he leaves one of the most important battles of his entire life to go save this woman because he, her heart stops beating. But it, like instantly, he drops well, everything. It, well, I'm saying, isn't he motivated into the fight because she's being threatened? Isn't into that the, what, how Lex Luthor tricks him end? into the fight? Saying, I'll kill your mother? Yes, absolutely. So why doesn't he just I'll say, well, you. I'm going to go yeah. rescue her right now? Because uh, he couldn't. Because it was, it was all, it, it was it was Lex's big plan to say you can't go here because I'll kill your mother, and if you can't go get help, because then I'll kill Lois and your mother. I don't know. It's all this. They got kidnapped while Superman was talking to his father on the Himalayan mountains. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. What yeah. Was going well, on. I just remember thinking like, if he's always able to like listen to where their heartbeats are, can you really not kidnap his mom and use that as a threat when he could just always go rescue her? Yeah, I think there was, in this sense, one, it's still a novice Superman, and um, he's probably just overwhelmed with stress okay. at the time, you know. But I was going to say, <laughs> if this was Jimmy Olsen, who was famously Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, it was kind of a jerk move of Superman yeah. not to save him. <laughs> I know in this universe, he's not really pals, but it's just, uh, if it this had exist. been Jimmy Olsen, yeah. and there's the for comic readers like the iconic long friendship of superman and jimmy olsen he's like i'm gonna save lois but sorry jimmy <laughs> yeah see i mean which which yeah. makes your theory better that it wasn't ever jimmy olsen oh yeah oh, it, it wasn't. totally wasn't yeah. it, it definitely wasn't yeah. so I, people, I like that a lot of 
a lot of people got upset because Zack Snyder was like, oh, well, we didn't really have room for Jimmy Olsen, so we decided to have fun with him. So a lot of people thought it was like him getting shot in the head was like his way of having fun with the character. I'm in agreement with that. But <laughs> my thought was like he was having fun with the character's name by using it as an alias. Yeah. Because that was the only way you could kind of use the name and have fun with that. It wasn't like Zack Snyder gets a kick out of shooting people in the head. Well, I don't know that you could say he doesn't based on his filmography. <laughs> I just think he was having fun with like, okay, let's not literally shooting people in the head, but showing people being shot in the head. That seems like something he doesn't mind doing. Yeah. I just thought he enjoyed the whole Mandarin effect of Jimmy Olsen. Yeah. Which is great. Um, So she, she sees the blood of Talon on her shirt. She gets a little shook up. She grabs a beautiful glass of red wine. um, And as she's kind of trying to relax herself, she, she notices her notebook has been damaged, or a, and she's like, "Is that a bullet hole in that?" Notebook? Or a cigarette burn? Or a cigarette bullet burn. hole or cigarette burn? That's the new, our show. new game show. Yeah, that's that, that's gonna go places. That one. <laughs> <laughs> like like the elevator pitch is done when you say the title of that show. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. That's, I don't even. That's like a game show for the South or something. It is, and it's like it, you could go into some deep territory yeah. with that show. Uh, sponsored by Skull, and it's like okay. So she she gets the notebook out. She she's kind of looking at it, and she's like, you know what? There's there's a bullet hole in this notebook, and then she kind of cracks the notebook enough to notice that there is a bullet inside the notebook still. So with the use of a montage. Uh, she's able to pry out the bullet and then she, you know, get to examine the bullet. Now, I really love this shot that comes in at 45 seconds in, which is her. She holds the bullet up to the light. And we see a shot of her hand holding the bullet on the left side of the frame. And then her face is on the right side of the frame. She's blurred out. The focus is on the bullet so that we as an audience get to get a good look at this weirdly sci-fi-ish looking bullet mm-hmm. um, but I love it here because what Larry Fong does is on the left side we have the focus we get to see what the bullet is as she turns her hand away from us so that she can look at the bullet more closely we don't get to see the bullet anymore we just see her hand and now that comes unfocused then we focus on the right side now which is her face and we get the facial expression of someone trying to understand what she's looking at Yeah, and I think it's a great shot and just a perfect way of making something seem a lot more interesting mm-hmm. than what it could have been. It could have just been like, it could have just been like a single shot with the bullet in the middle of the frame. And be like, here's a bullet. Well, Look yeah, I mean, her reaction is supposed to mimic our reaction to the bullet. So yeah, just, you know, f- film stuff. Re- film, recalling yeah. my <laughs> film studies class, I believe that's called a rack focus, and it's done really well in this to like shift the focus. And like you said, something that could be very mundanely shot becomes more mm-hmm. visually interesting for an audience with that editing. Yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, all right, Mark, you owe me a Coke now. Come on. <laughs> we're doing, we get, you know, we get that beautiful shot of the, the sink dripping the water, which is a very, it's I, just what it is. I have it's a, really I have a question and, and I don't know if there's an answer for it. Now this is again, see like my whole time doing this podcast, I'm just going to be grasping at things that I don't even know if they're going to be there. So this episode's grasp is, is there something to relate Lois Lane f- being infatuated over this bullet in both int- intrigue and in both fear? 
with how you know intrigue how you know weird it is and she wants to know why this bullet is you know she wants to know about more about this bullet and fear with i could have died from this very same bullet kind of thing anyway is there something with her fascination of this bullet and holding it so close to her uh, towards the end of this minute and the entrance of the man of steel the alien and (laughs) and the like the entrance of this bulletproof character that she is dating like is there is there something to correlate lois lane dating superman the guy that can't be harmed by bullets versus her holding a bullet so close that it's the very thing that can kill her well also yes i'm this weird sci-fi bullet and this is the weird sci-fi alien (laughs) that she's dating yeah yeah Yeah, i think there probably is something there there's something and i don't know well put that well this fear and fascination uh, and which i think is what her relationship with superman was in man of steel like this fascination but also this kind of fear of how much power this one person has yeah i i thought it what was going through her head was that so she's like one of the only she was there at the nairomi incident Mm -hmm. she's like one of the only people to as she's looking around at what's going on she's the only one to say yo they're framing superman right now because all these people are dead and now they're all burned and everything. She, I, I was thinking she put two and two together. Like, all right, this whole thing has been a setup to frame Superman. Um, which, by the way, Joe, if you watch the Ultimate Edition, that whole Nairomi incident uh, is maybe twice as long. It yeah. explains the entire framing of Superman. Okay, because yeah, that was really right frustrating in the theatrical version. Yeah. Why that was man, a big deal, why the U.S. was investigating it. <laughs> like We're telling you, it's two completely different movies. And okay. It's just, like, it's the, painful, the, the theatrical it, version is a painful movie to watch. Like, we don't even watch it anymore. I watched it the other day at halfway and I stopped. And yeah, like, what it's, is just, this? <laughs> it's just an awful movie. And then you go and then you say that, you know, Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition is one of my favorite movies, if not favorite superhero movie to date. It's just crazy how it just jumps like that, man. So she's she's pulling this bullet out. She's going, what a weird, super advanced technology uh, thing this is, this bullet. Um, and then looking back, like, those men, those mercenaries killed those Nairomi mm-hmm. insurgents. Or, yeah, insurgents. And it's like, why the betrayal? Why the framing of Superman? Why such advanced technology? Um and, you know, Lois Lane is not a person to like not having answers. She's a reporter. She's, you know, yeah. she is the reporter. Um, so she's another detective in this film that is going to start pulling on a thread. And Dawn of Detectives. Dawn of <laughs> Detectives. There we go. Yeah. Um, so, I need to write that down. And then, now, one know, other thing. So she, oh, sorry. You go ahead. Oh, and then no, I'll... no, I'm just talking to circles, really. Okay. Well, I was going to say to... about the bullet. Cause she found it in her notebook, right? Yeah. Yes. Is is that supposed to imply that she nearly died? Like the she was holding the, the like the notebook saved her life from this bullet, not Superman in this no. instance. No, or no, no, was that the was the notebook somewhere was, else when it got shot? It was it was way okay. Like it wasn't even around because it because embedded was in that, I couldn't remember if she like had that on her because then it, it, when she's looking at the bullet and she's holding herself in the bathtub in a way that allows them to make this a PG thirteen movie, um, <laughs> I couldn't tell if she's yeah. like dealing with her own mortality. Like I was that close. Or if it was the mystery that she was trying to unravel, that would have been cool. I would have, yeah. If she, if the that's what I was trying to correlate the whole holding the bullet so close, and then you are still like you're still scared of this thing right now, but you're dating 
Superman. The guy who can't And you be. shouldn't be scared of this thing right now. Like, and yet she's terrified. I mean, that conversation comes up in next week. Does it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah a, it does. They, they have a... Yeah. Exactly. Um, but also, she looks at, at, in the beginning of this minute, she looks at the, the notebook um, in a way, in a sense where it's like, I never noticed that bullet there before. And yet, in Nairomi, she picked it up and saw that it was there and was kind of hiding it. From I think Python she I think she up. she knew there was a bullet hole. I think she didn't know there was a bullet in it. It seemed like she was still like hiding it. She probably thought like they're gonna take this notebook as evidence. It's my notebook. I should keep it. Oh, I don't okay. know. Could be. Could be. Could be like oh I have a bullet. I gotta get this through <laughs> customs. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think she got that through customs? You think the metal detector didn't go off? It's Could a weird sci-fi material. Hole. Doesn't. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> All right. Hmm. Never mind. I was gonna say like you know lead based or whatever, but that doesn't <laughs> help us at all. Um, I think that's about it for this minute, right? Or unless you guys got anything? No, yeah, no. I just my notes for this minute. Yeah, I just want. Uh, I don't know. There's, I wish we could. Maybe this is this is what's gonna get me to have a Twitter. Don't, oh, what? I just need to start asking like what. My biggest thing about this minute was the question of the relationship of Lois and then her holding the bullet. I don't know. I think it's a really big imagery that is, might be missed. Sounds like a question for the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society group on Facebook, which I'm plugging so you can maybe ask your questions on there. And if you have answers to those yeah. questions or if you have your own questions, find that Facebook group. Let us know what you think or have questions about the DC Cinematic Universe. And we can all talk about it together, like a happy family, using the internet. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> Joe, uh, tell us about the first time you saw Donna Justice in theaters. Okay, I was at, well, I'm, I'm a professor, I, or, uh, I teach at a university, and uh, I go almost every year to this pop culture, um, it's, it's called the Popular Culture Association, which is academics who write about, teach about, or research popular culture, and they present papers and research on tv movie films comic books there's a really huge comic book section at the uh the, the annual pca and so i was there uh presenting the week that this came out and the comics area group um which several dozen uh phds and academics went i w i had to be at another meeting when they went it just didn't line up so i didn't see it but i went and saw it the next day um with uh some other people and I remember there was this window where they had seen it and I hadn't, but they knew I was about to see it. So they didn't want to say anything, but they like, there were still this waves of negativity as they mentioned the name of the film as they were trying not to give their, their, you know, not to give any spoilers. Um, and so they disliked it as much as I did. It seemed, uh, it, it, as the general reaction to this film was that it was a mess that, and it sounds like from what you guys are saying, if you watch the ultimate extended cut with an extra 30 minutes, it's much less of a mess. It cleans up a lot of the plot issues that people had. Some of the, um, you know, it, there's just things about this film that just drive me nuts uh, throughout. Um, and so I, I never engaged again. And then after Suicide Squad, I was almost, which I also thought like just plot wise, I'm like, this just isn't coming together in a logical way for me as a viewer. Like I, I had a lot of issues with, with Suicide Squad. I thought, Maybe I'm going to be done with the DC Cinematic Universe. But then Wonder Woman came out, and I really liked Wonder Woman a lot. So that mm -hmm. has redeemed everything. And and in Batman versus uh, Superman, I love the Wonder Woman moments when she shows up at the last fight. And, like, that 
is like oh like some of it is these three characters together on the screen some of it is maybe she doesn't have the baggage of all the weird tonal uh tonal issues that i've had with the film and the plot hole issues i've had the film she's just showing up as kind of a deus ex machina uh for, for this final fight um so there were some things i liked like wonder woman just was great in this film and I really enjoyed her film, but I had so many problems with, with this film when it came out that I almost washed my hands of the DC cinematic universe. But now wonder woman has kind of redeemed everything for me and I will go see justice league, uh, when it comes out in November, I was always going to go see justice league at some point, I'm sure, or would have seen it, maybe not opening weekend or anything, but I do look forward to it more now. You kind of always have to go see a comic book film. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, the, the day I we see- stop, well, in, I mean, like in a general way, like you kind of have to support the comic book film movie industry because, like, if you the day we stop seeing them is the day they stop making them. So. Yeah, and there's always the hope for the next Suicide one. Even if you don't like this one, there's the hope that there'll be a better one next. Yeah, you can't uh, you can't be the guy who who blanket judges the entire film franchise because of certain films because it's like i can't judge the entire marvel universe because of thor and yeah thor too well it was just exactly. like i had no trust that warner brothers was producing the kind of superhero films i wanted to see after man of steel which is probably of the, uh the first three that they released in this shared universe with uh man of steel and batman v superman and suicide squad man of steel is probably my favorite of those three but it's still not one i have a whole lot of interest in rewatching very much because i have probably more issues than things i like with it but then batman v superman and suicide suicide squad for me were like just like plot wise i just wasn't able to connect it in a way that was interesting to me at all so i was losing faith in the the company making the films <laughs> more than uh the, the franchises themselves and i like i needed to see something that was a reset in some way and wonder woman for me was like a tonal reset where like maybe we'll have some different things coming forward and maybe that was the goal yeah i, I mean certainly yeah, i you I know mean... the critical reaction and a lot of the, the online discussion on these films is not everything that warner brothers hoped for <laughs> when they're when they're making True. these movies I'm... I mean, I'm, I'll be the first one to say that the marketing campaign for, you know, both Wonder Woman, oh. or both, yeah, for this, yeah, from from Warner Brothers and, and DC, you know, together for this movie, it's just destroyed it. I mean, I, I'll, I'll repeat myself always when I say that. So I understand. The villain was the marketing. Exactly. Yeah. I understand the hatred of, not hatred, I understand. See, I don't even, thinking back when I first saw this movie, I remember walking out of the theater and just saying, hmm. it was good. Like, that was it. I wasn't like, oh, it was awesome. It was great. I loved it. I was like, I liked it. It was good. But I'm still, I remember specifically thinking, I need to go watch it again. I need to see, I I need to watch it again. I feel like you missed something. I missed everything in it when I first saw it. It was like, I don't know what I was watching. I feel like I was just watching an action movie, maybe? I don't know. When I saw Man of Steel, I was very like, I don't know why I waited to the midnight yeah. release to see this film. I feel like I could have just seen it some other day. Yeah. But then, and you know, now it's like Man of Steel is like, I don't know. I yeah, now I'm going to punch you in the face and it's like, watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. And now it's like, you know, my top three superhero films, I always repeat it. It's the, the, the origin of the origin films for each of the Trinity. It's like the, those Man of Steel. Begins Man of Steel and Wonder Woman. Yeah. yeah. This is my favorite films when it comes to superheroes. Good on you, man. Um, but, you know, Man of Steel was never that case. But until, exactly. until now, and then, um, yeah, the marketing, whoever was in charge of marketing, uh, 
just you know. I mean, there. I'll be one of the first ones to admit that the theatrical version, the theatrical release of this movie had multiple flaws, and I understand why people were negative towards it and didn't like it. I get it. Yeah, that's awesome. Like, absolutely. And, I want to hear more about it. And all of this context that you guys are saying about like the marketing, like it does affect our reactions to the film. Like even this one, it, yeah. not just the marketing, but like opening with another Batman's parents being murdered origin and falling down the well with the bats, like. In the context of, of if this film existed in a vacuum, I probably wouldn't mind it that much. But after the 1989 film, after <laughs> flashbacks in the other Batman films, after Batman Begins, I'm like, I don't need to see that again. Like, it does nothing for me as an audience to see yet another iteration of this same story beat. And so I like yeah. I got frustrated almost immediately watching Batman v Superman. And if I could have separated this from all the pop cultural baggage of every other iteration of ba- Batman that's come before and told those same beats... I probably wouldn't have minded it at all, but that context yeah. does matter for how we're going to react to a film as an audience. Yeah, I keep forgetting. Out, someone out there, this will be the first time they see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for some someone out there, this is the first. Yeah. I know. keep forgetting that we had this conversation of like the Batman origin and like the beginning, but yeah, no one else is no one else has heard it yet. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, so it's like, yeah, that, that beginning for, to, to redo another Batman yeah. origin was, and was we, odd. We've but said for this one, it, it was, it made sense. Cause it's dream. It's a dream purpose. It's a dream sequence. And like, so. we've said it so many times, but like Nate and I just refer to this film as Donna justice. We mm-hmm. don't use Batman V Superman. Cause we always felt like Batman V Superman was the marketing yeah. wedging themselves into the actual title. And like mm-hmm. making you think that this film is about two superheroes who fight each other when really it's not Donna justice not is the actual title yeah. that explains this film as, you know, as best as it can, the ultimate edition at least, you know? Yeah. All right. I do so. have one other question. Like just one thing that bugged me from the day I saw it in the theater and still there, there's a sequence where, uh, Batman has his parademon dream, right? And then he wakes yes. up and Flash shows up and then he really wakes up. So there's a dream within a dream. Yeah. Does that get cleaned up at all or do they leave it as a dream within a dream in the extended cut? <laughs> like are those separate what scenes gets... at all or <laughs> No, there it's all the what you saw in the in the theater was the same thing that's in the extended Cause, cut. Cuz the what's... dream within the dream has always struck me as weird. Like that's just an odd storytelling beat to what's give to yeah. the audience. What didn't what didn't hit well enough to explain pretty much all the dream sequences in this entire movie was the opening narration from Bruce where, you know, he's talking about um, life. It was a beautiful lie. And in that lie, it took me to a dream. Like that's, it's supposed to hit harder. It's one of the first things you hear this movie. It's supposed to set the tone for pretty much Batman because we're hearing him narrate it. So the whole, every single dream sequence was, more um, important than what was conveyed to the audience, especially in the theatrical one. Okay. Um, so Flash, so he has the, the parademon dream, which I'll argue it isn't a dream, it's a vision. Um, yeah, I could definitely see that. And then Flash shows up uh, back in time, like he is coming from the future to give Bruce the message. And in that whole whatever is happening... Bruce is, you know, awoken from his vision and still in this whole weird dream sequence that he is, he sees Barry. uh, And then in his mind, the mind of Batman, him trying to rationalize all that, he just automatically thinks, oh, that was a part of my other dream. 
So he's very trying confusing. to, yeah, it is very confusing. But think about what character we're seeing. We're seeing Batman have visions. He's trying to relate it to something real and, and something tangible that he can do. He can't just like often say like, oh, okay, some dude from the future just showed up and get, tried to give me a warning. No, he's got to be like, that didn't actually happen. I dreamt that. Right. So now I'm going to wake up and now I'm dreaming. But you see the papers flying. That's how you can tell that it actually happened. So, And when I first saw Donna Justice in theaters, that was just a flash bit where he comes yeah. in through the portal or whatever. To me, that was, at the time, the best part of the film. Oh, yeah, I absolutely. remember leaving the theater, and I, I was driving in my car, and I just kept thinking about that scene over yeah. and over again. And I, you know, yeah, I told I Johnny, I was like, I need to see this movie again because that just for that scene, that part <laughs> really exactly got to me. What it was, yeah. And I kept thinking about it, and you know, it really, it, the whole, you know, Man of Steel as well, and in this film, um, they really drive that Lois Lane is a, a very major character or an important part of the entire universe. Actually, like she's probably, she's probably like they, you know, and it's not until Flash where he actually comes in and and tells you point blank, yeah, she is the key to all of this, like, yeah. and it's like. If you haven't gotten that yet, here comes a guy in a red suit to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. A big red flag, if you the will. The messenger. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yo, understand what we're trying to tell you right now. Yeah. So that when you yeah. see Justice League, you're prepared for it. But it's so weird because it doesn't feel like that is related to audience as well. Because all they want to know and see, and I hate to generalize it, but it seems like the, a general audience wants to see just classic Justice League characters being Justice League characters and mm-hmm. fighting the bad guy and working as a team. Where it's like, we've never had that on film, so I understand that hunger for that. Yeah, and like all we're doing is grasping at the animated versions that we have of them. It's like that's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I want. Go watch that. No, exactly. You got to go watch that. Like, no, if you want actual character development and how these, otherwise, who cares? Realistic beings and and you know a non cartoon are formed. You want to take some time and have patience. You want it to. uh, What is it? You want it to stand the test of time. Exactly. And I feel like. I remember being, I saw Avengers in theaters like four times in a row, like every single, for four days straight, I saw Avengers yeah. in theaters. And now I watch it and I, I don't feel the same kind of thunder. I don't, I don't know if it stands the test of time. It might, I don't know. But I, I remember it being very like, oh, we, we got there yeah. <laughs> and that was it. Um, but, you know, Winter Soldier, I think, might stand the test of time because that just is yeah, a great that, film. Yeah, and it's, it doesn't have to be a Captain America film even at that. It's just like a... It's just a good film. It's a just good a action good spy movie. And I don't need, know, it's got comic book characters. I don't need uh, fan service if it's not going to last long. Exactly. Like, try to think about it. I'm trying to think of something that was more flavor of the week and the only thing I can refer to Ant-Man. is this. Ant-Man or even CW Flash. How much of the first season of CW Flash do you remember? Is there any specific like villains or arcs in that show that like you can actually pinpoint and say, that's what defined the show? Absolutely not. It was just the flavor of the week. Let me just show a bunch of villains and have somewhat character development. But nothing that was long-lasting of Like that Kevin Smith episode, The Runaway Dinosaur. Like That'll yeah. stand the test of time because that was what the whole show it's was motivation. about. Yeah, it's exactly. It's his entire motivation. Yeah. So. So it's maybe Dawn of Justice is not flavor of the week because it will stand the test of time because it's such a weird film. I, that's <laughs> throwing what, it out I there. mean, that's what I'm hoping. Joe, <laughs> I'm really hoping well, that in like 10 years someone's going to be like, yo, that, was that extended really... edition was really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes what's popular isn't. Oh, it's know, yeah. I, pop culture is like littered with things that were huge in the time and completely forgotten, and things that were dismissed by critics at the time and have become classics. Yeah. So you never know. 
Um, but Joe, if this is not your favorite meeting of Batman and Superman, we would like to know what is your favorite Batman and Superman story? Oh, uh, I, for those two characters, the only, like the thing that leaves to mind, and I'm sure like as soon as we're done talking, I'm going to think of like five comic book stories, but there's from the Bruce Tim era, there's the, uh, a Batman Superman crossover of. Uh, it, it was released as a DVD or a, I guess VHS at the time, but it was the, he had the Batman the animated series going and he had Superman the animated series going and there was yeah. a film the the Batman Superman with Joker and Lex Luthor like switching yep. who they were who were tackling that's probably my favorite or the, at least that's what leaps to mind uh, when you ask that question. That was was that the same one where he where Bruce was dating Lois? Yeah, yeah. I literally yeah, watched that I, yeah. last night. I was gonna yeah. say it's been years since I watched it, but when you ask that question, I'm like, just for those two characters, that's. I mean, some of it's probably the titling, <laughs> but that is what yeah. immediately left to mind. Yeah, yeah. Lois Lane is talking a bunch of smack about Bruce Wayne. He steps off the plane. He's like extremely handsome. Yeah, and yeah. she's like fumbling to yeah, like yeah, say yeah. something. And then he's like, "Oh, you want to go have dinner?" And, and he just did it to piss Superman off too. Clark oh, yeah, it was great. There the whole time. And they figure yeah. out each other's identity within like minutes of meeting. <laughs> oh and it was perfect too yeah. yeah they do it here too they i i like yeah. that i like that they just already know and they do it in the justice league reboot in the new 52 where the origin the movie and the book well yeah. and the book yeah the jeff johns one I mean, yeah superman's just like bruce wayne is that you <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i'm trying to think some other ones there he's in hush and they have like a little I, little battle. I do like that Hush storyline as a whole, but I don't think of it as like a Superman Batman one, per se. Yeah, no, so wasn't it? Wasn't he like he, under? Wasn't he, he like Poison Ivy? Yeah, I think it was Poison Ivy. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. That's all I can think of. That's good. That's a good one. I like that. I mean, Bruce Tim, always the man. Always the man. Always the man. As far as things that hold up, uh, decades on, Batman the animated series definitely holds up. Yeah. Or like they meet, or just just, in general. just just in general. I think that is one thing that is gonna like. I still show it to my, to my kids now. I think that's one that'll always be in the rotation. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think that's about it, right? Uh, yeah. Do we have any closing statements, Joe? Do you want to leave us off with anything before we wrap up? Uh, I always hope the next DC superhero film is going to be my next film, my, my favorite film. <laughs> so even though I haven't uh, enjoyed uh, a lot of their offerings so far, I still always have hope for the next one, I guess. Are you going to watch the ultimate edition of Dawn of justice? Or are you just going to leave it as it is? I will. Uh, I, I'm going to listen along with you guys and I'll see if it sounds <laughs> you know, enough that I, I'm willing to go back in. All right. <laughs> Fair enough. Forewarning. I'm, I am extremely biased, so <laughs> I'm going to be talking this movie up like crazy. All right. I'll, I'll probably give it a chance the, then. <laughs> I mean, don't do me any favors, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just, uh, uh, I just, I had such a negative reaction to seeing it in the, in the theater that it's hard for me to want to go back in. Yeah, I completely understand. I fully understand. But it, it took me watching the Ultimate Edition to see that. You know, I remember reading all the critics' reviews and being like, "Why did you guys hate all hate this movie? Why?" And then after the ultimate, just be like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> I know why you hated this yeah, movie. Yeah, I know. Why. <laughs> a lot I know of the exactly. flaws were yeah. were flaws. Yeah. in that in that. Cut. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, alrighty then, we're gonna go ahead and wrap up for the week. We hope we hope you enjoyed everything you heard. You can find us on all social media at DCEU Minute. You can find the rest of our shows at twooldmedia.com. Um, if you want to talk with us. 
Joe, his brother, or any of our past guests and listeners, you can find us at the Facebook group, DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society. Uh, you have any questions about the, this film, this minute, um, or future films, or past films, uh, you can find us there. You can uh, ask us any questions you have or talk about anything. Um, so yeah, hit us up there, and we'll catch you guys next week here on Donna Justice Minute.